Hey, great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor. If this is your very first time here at Connect, welcome. Welcome to our new home. Um, We are in a period right now that we're calling our soft opening. It's taken us all the way up to September 8th, which will be our grand opening. Uh, What that means is that we have a few Sundays, kind of now over the next couple of Sundays leading up to September 8th, where we can figure everything out. So I appreciate your patience and understanding as we still try and work out some kinks. And uh, every week, I hope you arrive and uh, see something different than the week before. That's our goal as we, uh, as we adapt to our check-in system for the kids, as we adapt to our lights and sound and our traffic flow and signage. And we meet every Monday morning as a staff and we debrief after the Sunday and we said, hey, we fixed this problem, but now we figured out that this needs addressing. So we're, we're really trying to work through all this. So thanks so much for all your patience and understanding in that. And we are Uh, We're just so excited to have this beautiful new building that we can call our home. And uh, each week, we we get to learn a little bit more about how to use it to its best um, possible use. So, And yesterday, we really got to put it to the test when every single part of the building and that beautiful forecourt outside was covered in inflatables and activities going on. And I honestly, I have to tell you, I am so incredibly proud of our Connect Kids, pastors, directors, the team that they have, the committee who've worked for months to get this ready. Because I, I am, it just never ceases to amaze me just what a great event it is. And here's what I love the most about it. So they do this great job of really incorporating groups within the community. So if you weren't here yesterday, there was um, all sorts of activities that kids enjoy, face painting, inflatables, that kind of thing. But they'd also brought in um, groups from the high school and the color guards to do stuff with some flags. They had some of the, the um, band here were doing drum demonstrations for kids in one of the rooms. Uh, there was the robotics team were here demonstrating their incredible machines and the things that they can do. So in every single room around the building, there was just something going on. It was just so much fun to see um, new families and some of your families come in and enjoy that. But to see these amazing groups, we had Art of the Bodega was here doing some painting and just a karate group. There was just all these different local organizations partnering with us yesterday to put on an incredibly fun day for the kids. So um, I know Justin's already done this once, but I know there are so many of you in this room that played a part either in donating time, resources, um, efforts yesterday. And I just want to give everyone involved another round of applause. So can you do that for me? It was a fun day. And I've got to be honest with you, after um, two or three months now of this renovation process and being here a lot and seeing the building work getting done and seeing everything that's done, you can, it's very easy to get caught up in the, the busyness and sometimes the stress of what a, a renovation like this can bring on and you know, looking at every single little thing that needs to be fixed and... Um, to see yesterday and realize this is why we did this. This is why God gave us this wonderful resource, not because a church needs a building, because we are the church, and when we leave here today, we'll still be the church. You'll be Connect Church in the community in which you live. But having a building 
for the first time in the history of Connect Church means now that we have this resource to put on events like we did yesterday. So it was, it was just brilliant. I'm, I'm still so excited by it, as you can tell. So um, let me jump into what I want to talk about this morning. Andy uh, started out last week talking about this series we're in called Anchored, and uh, we're going to continue on that this morning. But I have to kind of set up what I'm speaking about this morning by letting you know about something that happened at our house uh, probably about four or five years ago, uh, and that is that a new um, couple moved into our house, okay? So we had this new couple. They became a part of our family about four or five years ago. I wasn't totally keen on the idea, but, but Casey loved having this couple now as a part of our family, and they've been a part of our family now for the last four or five years, and some of you are sitting there thinking, that sounds a little bit strange, but this couple's moved into some of your houses as well, okay? I don't know if you realize this, but uh, they've also become a part of your family, uh, this couple to whom I'm referring. Their names are Chip and Joanna Gaines. I think you may be familiar with this particular couple, yeah. They have uh, very quickly become a part of the Jane family, their influence, their magazine, their TV show. And uh, for those who uh, live in a cave and you've never heard of this couple, they have a show called Fixer Upper, and uh, they, they take houses and flip them and renovate them. And, and um, I've got to be honest with you, it's, it's thanks to this couple that, that some of you, that all of us get to sit in this beautiful building today because my wife and some of the talented ladies who worked alongside her in the, the design phase and their subscriptions to Magnolia, they all played a part in, in producing what we have right now. And I'll be honest with you, I, uh, I'm probably not as into Chip and Joanna as my wife is, but the few shows I have watched, I do like Chip, okay? I, I feel like Chip probably t- tackles jobs the way I would tackle jobs. I, I like to just think, you know what? Why knock down a wall when you can jump through a wall? Perfect. So, and uh, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've done something like that and Casey said, good for you, big boy. She, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, we're just like our own little Chip and Joanna. It's, it's, it's like identical. So. <laughs> Never said that. Um, <laughs> so the reason we want to kind of open up with this clip and this idea is because in this series, I want to tell you about a story that Jesus told um, about a couple of Chip and Joannas back in New Testament times who built two very different houses. And that's where we're going to land this morning. We're going to spend a few minutes just looking at this particular story that Jesus told. And uh, sometimes, you know, if you've got a Bible and you're reading, there'll be a heading at the top of uh, sections. And the heading at the top of this section in your Bible would say the wise and the foolish builder. So maybe you're familiar with that story. Maybe you grew up and remember hearing that story in Sunday school about the wise and the foolish builder. Because Jesus would tell these stories, he called them parables, and they were great stories because buried within this very easy-to-remember story and this very interesting anecdote was a very deep spiritual truth. So this morning, we're going to look at these these two different builders because in the story, you're going to discover the story isn't just about two houses, it's actually about some storms as well and what those storms can do to those houses. So as we continue on in this anchored series, just thinking about the storms that develop in our lives, the storms that sometimes we face, and the resources, the hope that we can find in Jesus to keep us anchored during those storms. So let's take a look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. He said in this story, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. He's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. 
Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, well, he's foolish. He's like a person who builds his house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So why is Jesus telling this story about these these two houses, these two uh, projects, these Chip and Joanna fixer-upper projects of the New Testament? Why is Jesus telling this story? Well, to understand why he's telling this particular story about these two houses, you have to kind of go back a couple of chapters because he's telling the story at the very end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you've not heard that phrase before, through um, this, this letter we've got written by Matthew um, in chapters 5 through 7, this guy Matthew, he recounts uh, this incredibly detailed uh, recollection of this, this, this day that Jesus spent on a mountainside teaching the crowds and teaching them some incredible things. These were revolutionary things. Things that no one in that day, even the people familiar with the the, the Old Testament and the the law of the Jews and the religion of the Jewish people, even those people hadn't heard the, the teachings of God taught in such an incredibly revolutionary way. And here was this man who's come onto the scene by the name of Jesus and he's standing on this mountainside and through Matthew chapter five, six and seven, it gives us these incredible teachings that he's bringing to the crowd. He's wowing them. They can't believe what they're hearing. They're captivated by every word as he brings new life and new meaning to to what had previously been some, some Old Testament law. And I have to wonder if when Jesus got to the end of what he was talking about and he looked out across the crowd... If maybe he saw in the eyes of some of the crowd that day the the same thing I saw once in the eyes of, of my own kids when we went to a trampoline park for the very first time. So this was like four or five years ago when trampoline parks had just started to, to pop up and there were none around this area. I think we were in the suburbs of Chicago, somewhere like that. And we'd heard about these places. We'd never seen them. And, and we got to go to one for the very first time. We showed up and the boys and Emma, they were all really excited and we paid and we got all our gear. And before you could go into the trampoline park, there was a room you had to go into to watch a video. Now, I don't even think they do this anymore, okay? But, but originally, you had to go in this room, and there was a three- or four-minute video, and it was um, an instructional video. It was a video on, on, on how to jump correctly and safely, like there's a correct and safe way to jump on any trampoline. But this, this instructional video was probably there to, um, to, to guard them against lawsuits, that kind of thing. So, so you just saw this room full of middle schoolers just watching this video, and you knew every single one of them was listening but they weren't listening. (laughs) All they wanted to do was get out there and bounce. They didn't want to listen to the video. So so this video's going on, you know, make sure you don't run and jump. Don't jump and launch other people. Don't jump on your heads. That's dangerous, okay? So just practical things that you needed to know. And then the video came to an end and the doors opened and literally you just watched Dozens of middle schoolers running out like it was a race to see who could break their ankle first. They were just like, let's go! (laughs) Because they just listened to all this instructional stuff, but I just wonder how many of them were actually going to put into practice anything that they just heard. And I wonder if Jesus felt the same way. He's just spent 
hours maybe teaching these crowds on the mountainside. And he comes to the end of what's been some revolutionary teaching, some teaching that could change these people's lives forever. And then he's looking out thinking, I wonder how many of the people who just heard what I said will actually put this into practice in their lives. I wonder how many of these people will not just listen, but will listen and will truly hear and truly understand what it is that I just said. So Jesus concludes his teaching. He finishes off this, this, this long set of time that he spent teaching this. He concludes it with this little story, this little parable, just to kind of wrap it all up. Because buried in the depths of this story, this parable, is the key to understanding everything that he's just taught. And it's a story about two men who build two houses on two very different foundations. So it's interesting because there are some similarities between these two people. We, we know that they both built houses. That's one of the similarities, okay? We know that they both built houses. So Jesus isn't challenging the crowds here. Jesus isn't talking about the dangers of building different kinds of houses or the wrong kind of house. He isn't saying there were these two guys. One lived in a beautiful mansion and, and one lived in a van down by the river. He's, he, there's no comparison here in the houses themselves. There's no sense of teaching in the importance of what the house itself. And, and in the story, our application today, just like it was for the crowd that were listening that day, our lives are those houses. Our lives are those houses. Maybe some of you here this morning, you feel like your life right now is the mansion. Maybe some of you feel like your life is a little bit like the van down by the river, eating government cheese. But Jesus isn't teaching here about the difference in the lives. Jesus is teaching about the difference in the foundation. But he's bringing out some similarities. He's saying there were two guys that built houses. He's saying, every one of you just heard what I said. Anyone who listens to my teaching is like a person who builds a house. So there's the commonality right there. He's saying, hey, anyone who listens to my teaching, so, so for us today in um, 2019, any of us who listen to what is taught here at Connect Church is like a person who builds a house. So we're all on the same page here this morning. We can all relate to one of these two people because we've all heard what Jesus has to teach and it's like somebody who's built a house. But it's not enough, is it, just to hear without truly hearing. Later on after the death of Jesus, there was another uh, guy in the New Testament. His name was James. He wrote a fantastic uh, letter that you can find in the New Testament named after himself. It's called James. And in James 1.22, he talks about this very idea. He says, don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Many of us can listen to what the Bible teaches. We can listen to what Jesus says. We can listen to what me or Andy or whoever happens to be stood on the stage on a Sunday morning happens to say. Any one of us can listen. But if you don't do what it says, you're just fooling yourselves. 
And that's what Jesus says. He says, there's where the difference lies. It's not in the fact that you listened. It's what you did with what you heard. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. They're like the person who built the house on the solid rock. Anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't follow it, doesn't obey it, well, they're foolish. They're kind of like somebody who builds their house upon sand. Jesus is saying it's not the listening that's the issue here. The two houses that are being built, the difference is that one was built on a rock, one was built on sand. One is like the person who hears what I have to say and obeys it, applies it in their life, strives to follow my teaching. The guy who built it on the sand, that's kind of like the person who hears what I've got to say, but then chooses not to follow it, not to obey it. So we could all relate to these two builders today, couldn't we? And maybe this morning you're sat in one of those houses. Maybe this morning you're somebody who's been coming to Connect for a long time and maybe before Connect even existed you were a part of another church and you've got a a rich heritage. Maybe you were fortunate and your family brought you up going to church and and you can kind of relate to the guy who built his house upon the the rock because from from the youngest age when you were at Sunday school, you've not only learned about what Jesus said, you've not only heard it, but you've applied it in your life. It's become a foundation upon which your life is now built. Some of you, and I love talking to you and hearing your stories because some of you, you've just started to build that foundation. You're very new. In fact, your relationship with Jesus, it began here at Connect. A friend invited you. Maybe you went to Family Fun Fest and that's what drew you to come back on a Sunday. And and that's when your journey began. That's when your relationship began. That was the moment you, you made that decision to follow Jesus. And don't get me wrong, it's nothing to do with how big the foundation is. It's the fact that you've started that journey of building that foundation upon the rock. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're not there yet. You're still not sure what you believe, but but if you're totally honest with yourself, whether you've been coming a short while or whether you've been at church all your life, if you had to be honest with yourself this morning, you would probably say, yeah, my house is probably a little bit more like the house built on the sand. I like to come, I like to listen to what's said, I enjoy the, the friendships I'm building, but I'm not sure that I'm the kind of person that, that wants to obey every word, that wants to follow that. I'm not sure that, that fits with my life. And the crazy thing is, for the most part, it's kind of hard to tell the difference between those two different people. Because when Jesus is talking here, like I said, he's talking about two different houses, And I have to wonder if I walked by those two houses one day and looked at them, if I would be able to tell a difference between either house. Because both houses seem to be pretty okay. And what happened to those houses initially? Nothing. Jesus doesn't talk about one house being a good house and one being a bad house. They were both decent houses. But the the moral, the the basis of his teaching here, the, the core of his story, isn't anything to do with the houses, it's the foundation. Because he says, you may not see this with your eye just walking by, but there is something different with this house than this house. And it's the foundation. Any of you who are in the building industry here this morning or have renovated a church recently, you'll know a lot more about construction and things like that. And uh, foundation is pretty important. 
Okay, when it comes time to build a building, foundation is one of the very first things that's looked at because the foundation can make a difference between a good building and a bad building. The tallest building in the world right now is called, I'm going to have to look at my notes to make sure I say it right here, Burj Khalifa. Okay, we're going to have a picture of it. It's right there. Some of you may recognize it. Okay, Burj Khalifa. It's the tallest building in the world. It can be found in Dubai. So this building was literally built in a country that's famous for sand, okay? When I think of Dubai and the Middle East, okay, I just think of sand. So if I'm going to build the tallest building in the world, I think maybe the architects, they'd read this story by Jesus and they thought, you know what? We should probably rethink this. We probably shouldn't just build it on the sand. So a lot of time and energy and effort was spent on the foundation of this building, I learned that almost 200 piles were constructed. These are these long, thin um, structures that get buried 50 meters into the ground, made of steel and concrete. About 200 of them were built and buried into the ground before any construction began. Then on top of that, they poured um, a concrete slab that was almost four meters thick. In fact, they had to do it so carefully that because it was so hot during the day, they had to wait till nighttime. And then as they were pouring the cement, they would add ice because it had to be a certain temperature so that when it set, it set properly and it set firmly because this massive structure was going to sit upon that foundation. That's how important foundations are. And a lot of work went into the foundation of this building. Paul emphasized the idea of of foundation in the life of us as followers of Jesus when he was writing to a church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 11, he said, By the grace of God, sorry, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. In Jesus Christ. So I wonder if Paul, when he's writing this to this church in Corinth, is remembering, even though he wasn't there himself, stories of people who were there that day on the mountainside, and Jesus told this story about these two builders. And the importance about following what Jesus teaches, building your life upon Jesus, the foundation, as he is saying this. And here's the thing. Two houses, very similar. You don't really know the condition of those homes until the storms came. And there's another similarity in our story that Jesus tells between these builders, and that is that they both faced storms. They both faced storms. Now, I've got to be honest with you here this morning. I wish this story was a little bit different. As the pastor of a church, as a follower of Jesus, I, I, I wish that the story went more like this. There were two men who built houses, one on rock, one on sand. The one who built his house on the rock is like a person who listens to my teachings and follows them. The one who built his, on the house, who built his house on the sand is like someone who listens to my teaching but doesn't follow them. And as a result... The one who built his house on the rock is safe from ever having to face any kind of storm ever again. But the other guy, well, there's a storm of ruin. 
I wish that was the story Jesus told. I wish Jesus said, hey, if you'll follow me, if you'll build your life on my foundation of solid rock, you'll never see a storm again. That's one of the benefits of being a follower of Jesus. But he doesn't say that. And in my 20 plus years of following Jesus, I've not seen that to be true. I'd love to promise you, if you're here this morning considering following Jesus, I'd love to sweeten the deal for you and say, hey, if you follow him, all your storms will fade away. But that's just not the case because in this story, the same storm came and both houses were hit by winds and, and waters rising and storms. But it's when we face the storms in our lives, because we will face storms. They may be financial hardships, relational breakdowns, health struggles. When we face those storms in our lives, that's when we discover the foundation that our house is built upon. That's when we find out how anchored our lives really are. Because if I could bring one of those architects or engineers from Dubai who was working on that massive building, the tallest building in the world, he would tell you this morning that the reason we spend so much money and time and energy and effort on this foundation is because that incredibly big structure that you see from miles away, it is anchored to that foundation. When the storms come, when the winds blow, it's that foundation that keeps that building standing. And for many of us here this morning as followers of Jesus, we, our lives are anchored into this foundation of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we don't even realize how strong that foundation is until the storms come. About 10 years ago, I remember being at a conference down in Atlanta, and there was a pastor speaking from South Carolina, and he was sharing a story about this situation, about the storms in their lives. He started to tell the story about a man in his church who had just been diagnosed with cancer. And in that conference, he, he showed us this video that their church had made about this guy. And I remember just being so blown away by this guy's faith through this journey. I went online this week to see if that, that video still existed, and I found it. And I want you to watch it this morning. I'll come back up and wrap up afterwards. But this is somebody who you can tell has spent their life, up until that diagnosis, building their foundation upon the rock of Jesus and what he taught. Check out this video. Hi, my name is Zach Smith and I am 33 years old. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Mandy, for 11 years. We have three children, Lizzie, Jake, and Luke. And this is my story. I met Jesus when I was five years old. I grew up as the son of missionary parents in Ecuador, where I lived for 15 years. I went to college in Arizona, where I met my wife. For the next 10 years, we traveled around while I worked in the information technology field. We served in our local church, and I attended seminary. I often thought about working in full-time ministry, but no opportunities seemed right. I was told about a job here at New Spring Church helping with information technology. It was perfect, an IT job at an amazing church. I took the job and started working in October of 2008. For several months, life was very good and we were very happy. 
In May of 2009, at age 32, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Immediately, I had surgery to remove a foot and a half of my large intestine and a lemon-sized tumor. I was told the cancer had spread to my spleen and to my liver. Chemotherapy was on the horizon. This was all a very sudden shock to me. I had always been very healthy, and I found myself very confused. Why did I have cancer? Had I done something wrong to cause it? Was this a result of many years of sinful living in my past? I was working at a church and serving God. Where did I go wrong? But thankfully, the confusion quickly turned to hope. I knew that God had a plan for my life. I did not understand why I had cancer, but I knew that God was in charge. For three months, I underwent a horrible chemo regimen. Afterwards, I had a scan done, and the results were great. There was no cancer found in my body. We celebrated God's healing and God's faithfulness. And the next few weeks of my life were some of the best as I celebrated being cancer-free. But another scan one month later showed that the cancer had reappeared, this time in my abdominal cavity. I was devastated. Why was it back? Everything was just starting to make sense, but the reoccurrence of cancer caused even greater confusion. I resumed chemotherapy and did more tests. The cancer is now growing and getting worse. Unfortunately, the chemo drugs are no longer effective in my abdomen, and surgery is not an option due to the degraded state of my liver. Medically speaking, there is nothing more for me, and medically speaking, I probably will not live to 2011. The Bible says in Matthew 7:11 that God gives good things to those who ask. God cannot give me a bad gift, and it is through that lens that I can say that cancer is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I am a better husband and a better dad, a better boss and a better employee, a better friend and a better follower of Jesus. And through cancer, God has shown me some amazing things about himself. Those are indeed great gifts. I still have questions about cancer, why it went away and why it came back. I do not understand, but I know that God is in charge. I am praying for God to heal me. That is my desire. I want to walk my daughter Lizzie down the aisle. I want to watch my sons, Jake and Luke, become men. I want to grow old with Mandy, and I want to live my life with my friends here at work. But I may not be able to work for very much longer, and I may have just celebrated my last Christmas with my family. chooses not to heal me and allows me to die. God is still God, and God is still good. To God be the glory. So when I went back to find that video, I found it and downloaded it, but I also did some more reading, and it was shortly after he made that video that cancer took his life. My hope and prayer this morning is that you don't face any storms in your life. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But the reality is that we live in a broken world and storms come and storms affect every one of us. 
And when I listen to that guy tell that story, as, as heart-wrenching as it is for me as a dad myself to listen to him talking about this diagnosis, kids at a similar stage of life, married to a wonderful wife just like me, I find it hard to imagine what that can be like, but I am blown away at how he's able to talk about it through the lens of his relationship with Christ. And what I see is somebody who is now in the midst of a storm, but pulling on that foundation that was laid beneath him, that didn't give way like sands, that, that is keeping him strong. We sang that song, didn't we? Christ alone, cornerstone. Jesus wants to be your foundation this morning. Jesus wants to be um, your rock that you build your life upon. Not just his teaching, but him, he himself wants to be the rock upon who you build your life. And I don't want you to have to wait for when the storms come to then start figuring out the foundation. I want you to experience that rock in your life this morning. To start building upon that foundation so that if and when the storms come... You've got that solid rock to keep you strong. Let's pray. Father, as we continue to speak about this idea of being anchored in the storms, and as we continue to learn what it looks like and, and what we need to do to build that foundation in our life. Because God, for many of us, it's not if the storm comes, it's when the storm comes. It could come in the face of, or in the, um, present itself in a financial hardship, a, a relational breakdown, a, a health issue. I love being the pastor of Connect. I love getting to know so many of these wonderful families who are here this morning, Lord. And, and I've heard some of their stories. I've walked alongside them through some of the storms in their life. And I've been so incredibly humbled and blown away, Lord, at, at some of them who you can see in the midst of the storm, the foundation is holding them strong. They're still hurting, they're still broken, they're still asking questions. But the rock is holding them strong. Help us all, Lord, to make the decision to be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. In Jesus' name, amen.